and welcome to episode three of Battle of the Boutiques, presented by DestroyTheBrain.com. I'm Andy Treffenbach. I'm Lena Morgan. And I'm Digum. And today we are talking about two releases. In one corner, The Initiation, released by Arrow Video. This is a 2016 release of a 1984 film. And then in the other corner, a 2011 release from Synapse Films, The Dorm That Drip Blood, a.k.a. Pranks, a.k.a. What's on the Fucking Transfer, Death Dorm. Yeah. So we'll be talking about those, and uh, we'll see We'll see who fares out better. There's another title, too, I believe. It's called, the, I think there's another one called The Third Night. Oh, Jesus Christ, really? <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I don't even know where that one comes from, but that was on the docket. It was called The Third Night. Maybe that was in the script form. I don't know. There's so many. And The Dorm That Drip Blood is a video nasty, so... Um, it is. Take that it for what is. you will. Shout so, out Dan. <laughs> shout out to Dan. Nasty man. Anyway, um, if you're new to the show, hey, thanks for inviting us into your ear holes. Awful. Don't ever say that again. We get real nerdy about stuff, <laughs> and I, I also make awful jokes, so that's the way it goes. Um, but yeah, obviously, we we're talking about boutique blu-ray labels so it gets pretty fucking nerdy what we do is we uh talk about the films individually see which one fares better for all of us and then we also talk about the special features the packaging uh, these are non-slipped covered versions so they are unprotected and ready to rumble which means um, they're basically worthless barebacked baby <laughs> bareback With, bareback without a blu-ray. slip a movie is basically worthless yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm going to get scuffs on this thing? Ah, oh, jeez. Uh, but yeah, um, this is going to be an interesting one because, you know, we're, we're talking about movies that were released five years from each other with Dorm That Drip Blood being the oldest release, now 11 years old. So <sighs> I'm, I, it was kind of interesting because another fun fact is I reviewed this on destroythebrain.com as a written uh, review, and I'll put a link in the show notes. When it and, came out? Yeah, when it came out in 2011. Right. So um, it was funny to kind of go back, read everything. I'm like, huh, okay. Did my opinion change? You will soon find out. Do we have anything uh, we need to talk about before we dive into the match? I think you should mention why it is that you chose these two ah. for those that did not listen uh, to the last yeah. episode, because there is a very particular connection point between the two of them. Yeah, other than the fact that they're both they're both college co-ed slashers. Yeah, they're both introducing Daphne Zuniga, <laughs> and we'll get into that. Yeah, in a Daphne Zuniga, the, her first role is the dorm that drip blood. Her first starring role, yeah, is the initiation. This is the. Very important, critical, right. or if you want to put it another way, the initiation is the film that Daphne Zuniga says is her first movie, The Dorm of the Drip Blood, her actual first movie. Yeah. Is it Zuniga or Zuniga? No, I'm I believe it's Zuniga. Okay, we'll go with that then. I could be, I don't know. I it mean, I, like, like Synapse and Synapse, yeah. I have a feeling. <laughs> it's just going to be a... It, it's it's booze your own adventure. Enjoy. <laughs> you can't go wrong. Nobody here cares. We're going to be sticklers about everything other than things that matter. <laughs> awesome. I just I just googled well, it. It's Daphne Zuniga. Zuniga, like a Zuni doll. Zuniga doll. Okay, there we go. Cool, great. All right. Well, let's. Uh, without further ado, let's let's dive into these movies. Um, 
So which one do we want to start with? Do we go do you, alphabetical? I don't know. Do you want to? Do we want to do a? Gosh, I guess we're just going to talk about it in general, right? Well, let's do release date. How you feel about that? Yeah, we'll let's do. do that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's do the big old, big old dormy dorms. Death dorm, dorm drip blood, third night. The one Pranks. where spoiler alert, Daphne Zuniga bites it right away. Yeah. yeah. It's like within the first 18 minutes. So, okay. Uh, so we'll be talking about the dorm that dripped blood first on the eve. Let me just read the back. On the eve of Christmas vacation, a college dormitory stands condemned. The dark halls now vacant and unsafe. Student Joanne Murray and her close friends volunteer to help close down the building. Unaware a psychopathic lunatic is hiding in the shadows. As the students disappear one by one, Joanne discovers the horrifying reality that if she is to survive, she alone will have to find a way to slay the brutal murderer. Um, I'm not going to read the rest. That's a good synopsis. Yeah. I like that. No, yeah, that's yeah. it. That, that, that's, that's, that's basically it, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it is notable that it says in the back that this is... Um, an uncut version. This is not what most people would have seen. Certainly, it is not what you would have seen in the UK. Yeah. Right. We so just basically wouldn't we, have seen it. Yeah. As we stated before, this was a video nasty. It was heavily edited. And quite honestly, I think um, the biggest takeaway of this film and why people probably remember it are some of the gore scenes, which uh, Matthew Mungle, who is the special effects artist on this, that man's been a veteran. He's worked on so many shows um, as a makeup artist and special effects artist. Um, so, I mean, I, I get it. He's been around. I, I, Vinegar Syndrome, Mausoleum, he did that. He also reteamed with the creatives of The Dorm That Drip Blood and did The Kindred and other Synapse uh, films release. But yeah. also, like, Nightmare on Elm Street part three he worked with mark showstrom on and yeah i think even phantom of the mall <laughs> so he's been around for All a the long hits. time i mean shit he even worked with like spielberg and oliver stone so he's been around yeah. for a minute. he did the makeup to he did the makeup on bram stoker yeah dracula huh? yeah yeah one of the makeup artists. huge stuff so yeah so basically the thing to know about this movie is that there are two big names other than daphne zuniga uh i guess um, as pertains to um, horror filmmaking and filmmaking in general. Uh, and the other one is Chris Young, who is the composer. This is his very first uh, film that he ever uh, did composition for. Yep. But he also has done a shit ton of stuff. Um, he did Sinister and I can go through. He did The Grudge. Um, there's, I mean, it's a really long list. I think he did uh, Drag the Me first, to Hell. Like, we just talked th- about that. I think he did the first like two or three Hellraiser movies. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's a long list. Like he's a really prolific yeah. guy, but this is his very, 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 very first movie where he did any kind of compositional work. So I see. there it's interesting that they're the two big names because everybody else on the movie, for the most part, are just actually even even him. Um, these are just guys that were around campus. This is a student film. That's the other big thing to know. Is that uh, this is not a major motion picture, no. so to speak. It's just people. This was U.S. deciding uh, like, hey, we've got this dorm, we should film in it, and they did. Was this UCLA students? 
It was. Yeah. Okay, I thought this so. This is a UCLA mm-hmm. flick. Uh, I believe that there there were grad students. Um, I'm trying to think what. Yeah, but they 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 kind of cast pretty much like just like within the campus and. Uh, have they even talked about like it, I mean we'll get into this as we get into the special features and stuff but you know the, the it was co-directed um, there are two yeah. directors on this one and there was a third uh, guy that also was sort of involved with the inception scripting and production um, but uh, a lot of it is just these two or three guys getting stuff set up like they have a fake name for the casting director yeah <laughs> <laughs> Because they did, I mean, obviously, like, they just went and got Wesley whoever, Lou David. whoever wanted to do it, basically, was like, yeah, in the movie. Yeah. Just a brief co- correction. It's USC. This one was USC, and uh, then the screenwriter for the initiation was UCLA. That's right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool, cool. Right. Okay. Fair enough. So, it's funny because, you know, I obviously, I just chose these because I'm like, oh, Daphne Zuniga is in both of these. Granted- yeah. First 18 minutes of Dorm the Drip Blood or Death Dorm, whatever you want to call it. She's, well. But they feature her like prominently in the back. Yeah. They, they do feature her prominently. And, you know, I, as. Old pranky prank. Look, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I grew up with Melrose Place. Um, <laughs> I remember. I remember her. Uh, I was like, oh, who's that brunette? Mm. Sure. She, 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 she acted with the, with the John Cusack. She yeah. was in the Spaceballs. <laughs> so she doesn't like, look Druish. No. <laughs> so, I mean, I was just like, okay, well, we'll do this. This is kind of a nice tie-in, and there are similar themes, kind of. You know, I mean, they just really take place in college. That's really the similar theme other than her. But, um, yeah, it, what's interesting about... The dorm that drip blood is not great. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh, saw you. I where, just saw your letterbox score, and I was like, "You fairly did not like this on rewatch." No, <laughs> um, it's funny because, like, like you were saying last week, um, it's just uneven. That's what it is. Like, I mm. remember, so I rewatched it, and I'm like, you know, I'm just kind of kind of bored. Don't really care for the characters. But the gore scenes and why it became a video nasty, yeah. totally get, and I totally like them. They're pretty good. I mean, of course, Daphne Zuniga's death is kind of lame because it's like off camera and you just hear it and it's like, oh, that's a watermelon. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but her head gets squashed. So, I mean, I guess that was the Foley sound effect was a watermelon. Could have done something better. But... Um, the kills are pretty brutal in this one. And especially, here's what I will say. Uh, it kicked up, I will teeter, I think I gave it like a two and a half on Letterboxd. and you gave I it a two it, even. Oh, I gave it a two. Okay. Yeah. I teeter on two and a, two and a half. Like between, because that ending, the ending, I think, kind of puts it in a different gear. But yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you counter, counter argument. I really like this movie. <laughs> okay. Really? Okay. Wow. I th- I thoroughly enjoy this film. I knew going into this uh, episode of the podcast that I was going to stand alone. <laughs> um, literally, as I was going in, well, as I was know. doing my last minute 
I was well, I was watching the initiation right before we came in just to sort of get any last minute thoughts, and I told my spouse what we were talking about, and she said, "Oh, the Derm the drip blood fucking sucks." <laughs> that was it. Yeah. No other notes. Yeah. Yeah. Just that it sucks, and I I don't think it I, sucks. I've thoroughly I I enjoyed it. It's the truly the best movie where you're supposed to think that. Art Garfunkel is the villain that I've ever seen. <laughs> I always say that guy Art, looks like Art Garfunkel. He does. Am I he does. wrong? Yeah. He does. Yeah, he no, does. He yeah. does. But he also reminds me of that weird dude on the I Dismember Mama um, trailer, the the uh, Bijou Theater trailer. If you've mm. ever seen that, where um, it's Blood Spatter Bride and I Dismember Mama and. They the newscaster asks, <laughs> yeah, they like, like, oh, yeah. what did you think? <laughs> Same fucking. Uh, you sir, excuse me. What did you think of what happened inside? <laughs> Same fucking guy. I'm convinced yeah. of it. Yeah, it but looks just he, like him. He knew how to act in Dorm that drip blood. Obviously, sure, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so I, there's a lot of things that I kind of like weirdly enjoy about the the setup and the overall vibe of the film so because there are no real uh actors and daphne zuniga is not she's great not, no, in this film no not that you're, not she's really given that much to play with she's given a lot more unsurprisingly in the initiation where she's the yeah. lead right uh, but what i like is that it, it's i don't know it's it's some down home cooking for me um i think if i was going to try to explain it why I like it, it's that it's really sleazy. It's kind of exploitative. It, to me, feels like a slasher by way of like you're like almost like a like a like a roughie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like these older, low budget, like every nobody can really quite act, but as a result, it everybody feels kind of weirdly real in a different way. It's like, you ever watch Cobra Kai? Yeah. And you think like, man, people on Cobra Kai can't act, but they do seem <laughs> like people as a result. It's kind of like that. Um, that's the vibe that the dorm, the drip blood uh, gave me right from the first time that I watched it. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that, that kind of sticks out to me. But yeah, like generally speaking, the the, the, the back of the box sort of tease you up for what the movie's about there yeah there's a there's a dorm they're breaking it down so that somebody can go in and turn it into like actual private housing i believe is the deal yeah and uh yeah they're gonna spend the weekend there just working as hard and as quick as they can um that's what she said wink and people started uh, getting murdered um but one of the weird things that i i clock so first of all um your lead character joanne She's getting hassled. She gets hassled like throughout the movie um, yeah. by different people. Like a lot of people are are really after after Joanne's ass. That I don't I don't know what's going on there, but like people are very horny for Joanne, and um, I kind of like it because if it's centered on her, it creates a kind of added internal claustrophobia because she can't get a break. People keep like coming after her, and the film itself is very claustrophobic because it's mostly set in this space, and it's also shot at night. Which, when we get to the transfer, I'm sure we will have yeah. less glowing things to say. But I think all that stuff kind of works to make it feel very tense, at least for me. And there's another weird thing that I notice, which is 
the office that she's in has a rainbow flag, and then there's like a room yeah. that she's staying in that also has a big rainbow in it. You know what it occurred to me? So they filmed this in 1980. The idea of the rainbow flag was really fucking new. That came out in 1978. I don't know if you do that. That the yeah the person that yeah, created yeah. it along with Harvey Milk. That's that's like a that's really like very late 70s. So the but the fact they were filming in 1980, I was like, oh, it's like they don't talk about it on the commentary track, and I kind of wish they did. I was like, why? Somebody hung that there. Like, right. did you lean in? Is is somebody uh, is somebody queer on that? In the fact uh, like, that it should, shows should up I, should twice. I, should I assign a, a should I assign a gay for for this film <laughs> for me to identify with? Is my question. Um, and if so, who is it? But th- there are these little unintentional touches. Like I, you know, it's not as specifically intentioned as a film because it's a student film. Mm-hmm. I, although I will say, would you have known? If you just watched the movie, would you have gone? That's a student film. No, I no. For I sure. mean, for the most part, you can you can tell it's like kind of an, a not an amateurish film, but it kind of is. But you can tell it's somebody's first outing or one of their first outings, um, and possibly their first slasher film. Uh, it it, yeah. it almost does kind of have this feeling of like, hey, let's make a slasher film because there's m- maybe some money in it. And it's a smart move to make a slasher film as your student thesis film or or as a student film in general because it can be commercially viable, you know, outside of of class. So that that's pretty the smart. The other film students apparently at the college all were really turning their nose down at of this course. thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, and they can and they can eat farts. And this is another reason why I'm kind of in the tank for this movie is because whenever I hear somebody else dogging on a movie, instantaneously I become contrarian <laughs> by nature. And 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 I do think that Matt Mongold does a really great job. They do a kind of scream esque thing, which I guess I mean I'm trying to think how many horror movies, slashers or otherwise, could you think of that open on a unrelated death and then yeah. you're in the movie? Like how yeah. common is that? Yeah, no, it's not that common. The, the the pros to this, I mean, there there are decent takeaways from this film. Uh, I really like how, the, at times, it kind of feels like Black Christmas, like the original Bob Clark Black Christmas, where yeah, you you get glimpses of this killer, and like just in the Daphne Zuniga uh, scene alone, like when her parents are killed, you see the arm reach up. And like grab for the car locks and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's creepy. There are definitely like shots and scenes that are creepy and show some skill. And it's like, okay, well, that's good. But the I, I think my biggest issue with it was the the characters we're supposed to like. They're pretty flat. And look, I I don't know if that's necessarily the director, the, the two directors' faults, because I I think. You know, one of them, uh, one of the actors, I think, is like a playwright or teaches now. Uh, st- not Stephen Carpenter. That's one of the directors. But um, Stephen He's one of the Sachs, writers as well. I think. Oh, yeah. But Stephen Sachs uh, is. So, uh, oh, Stephen Sachs is probably, I would say, if I was going to assign the, the strongest person in the movie, it's probably him. Right. And I think he, I want to say he like he co-founded some theater in L.A. <clears throat> in the 90s. I believe that because he also is a big, um, or at least at the time was very big on um, like, uh, what's the word, like fight choreography and stuff like that. Right. So he's he's got a lot of sort of built-in skill right from from the jump, yeah. and he's got a certain on-screen presence that I don't think can be 
taught. You know what I mean? Although you can always try. But yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I guess there are certain characters that don't quite hit, but there's a vibe. I'm going to tell you there's that one guy that hits on Joanne, um, <laughs> the older guy. Oh, God. Who. It, who like he's gonna I mean like you know there's a whole scene in this movie so there's a there's a guy who's kind of a, like you're like oh might he be the killer mm-hmm. I um I do think I mean I think they do it there I wish again I wish there was a little more intentionality to it because there are a certain number of potential candidates for who the of the who done it of this film right there's Joanne's boyfriend from the beginning who is named Tim and let me tell you something. If you want to have a name for your annoying character where you're constantly <laughs> punctuating a sentence with a name to let you know that that guy's annoying, Tim's a good one. It's a real good name because you'd be like, I told you that I will answer you when I am ready, Tim. <laughs> so I like that. But, you know, he basically leaves at the beginning of the film to go fishing or something. Skiing. They're going think. skiing. Yeah, okay. they're going skiing. They're right. like, are you, are, are you going to do extra curricular sports or are you yeah. just hiding out so you could do murders <laughs> right completely completely reasonable to think that and then there's there's art garfunkel he's also a potential candidate you, he's too obvious so you know it can't be him but he's yeah. he's in the ether and then there's a guy that's coming i think to like pick up the benches that they're they're trying to get rid of like yeah. they're cleaning Bob, up some benches. bobby lee <laughs> like bobby, selling bobby lee tables or something yeah. Bobby Lee, whenever I hear his name, I think of uh, Bobby Joe from uh, exactly. Evil Dead 2. <laughs> Bobby Joe! <laughs> um, but Bobby Lee is the biggest scumbag of the whole movie. He is? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, let me tell you something. I'm going to say yes, he's worse than any horrible murderer, and here's why. He leaves to go try and get with a college girl who is absolutely not oh, yeah. interested with him, even in the slightest. <laughs> Meanwhile, his bomb-ass wife just pulls <laughs> the top down to show a very dynamite body, mm-hmm. a beautiful woman, and he's like, not interested. Only yeah. interested in women no, who I are have to leave. Far, too, too far too young for me. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. That's, yeah, that's This woman is, is here. She's ready to go. What's wrong with you, man? That's the scene my wife walked in while I was watching it. And we both were just <laughs> cracking up the entire time because it was hilarious. <laughs> it's like, but no, that's gotta it, like, go. I, it, <laughs> I like it because it does have these pops of personality. Um, I don't think there's a lot of... I think it happens by accident. Yeah. Um, like I don't. I think they luck into some really good performances. Um, and Sax is, is, I think, the most notable mm-hmm. example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just the moment I knew I was gonna really like the movie what was when um, Daphne Zuniga's parents come to pick her up, and I'm like, oh, I mean, obviously, like somebody's gonna die. Right. I wasn't expecting but them you weren't all expecting, to die, yeah, and, then, and I certainly was not expecting how. And, and again, there's so there's a big difference between um, what I guess was sort of like the censored cut and what was the uh, the cut that we've seen. Uncut, so yeah. in the case of the dad, who's the first one that gets killed, as far as the trio is concerned, they show a bat with not with a uh, with nails in it. Uh, you don't see the guy, but you see like his legs, and that's it. Mm. But that's a real bat with nails in it. And then when they cut to hit the dad with the bat, 
first of all, the censored version is one hit and it's done. Yep. This version, it just keeps going. Just keeps yeah. going. And it's brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, like every the other two deaths that happen afterwards feel brutal because that's so like they show that, and so everything else feels a little bit more intense yeah. as a result. It's all kind of riding the coattails of that, but you know, it's it's just it's a foam bat when he hits, obviously. But I have to say, it's a good effect. I think so because they established the the real bat. And then they cut, and they they managed to match them up exactly well enough that I didn't sit there and go, "That's definitely a foam bat." Like to the point that you know, there's that uncanny valley yeah. where, like, if you could tell it's fake, you won't wince at all. Yeah. I fucking winced, man. Yeah. Like the first time I watched it, I was like, "Ooh, ooh!" And, and I at that point, I knew that it didn't really matter if the movie was going to be great after that, as <laughs> long as there was more of that. I was all the fuck in. And quite honestly, that that is one of the kills that yes, it was censored, but I think it is it is more effective the longer it went on, versus maybe the drill oh, kill, yeah. which is a cool effect, but it also feels very <laughs> excessive. And it's like okay, okay I got I, it, yeah. but it's a fun kill. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is one of those one of those things. And as we sort of switch over and talk about the initiation. Um, we'll get into the value of kill as relates to whether or not you give a shit about characters, uh-huh. whether you like or dislike them. The other thing about the, so there's a, there's an older character that gets killed with a drill. And I mean, we love a drill kill. Yeah. Horror loves people getting killed get, with drills. Getting drilled. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> getting drilled well, in more than one way. Hey, a wink. <laughs> wow. Dicks. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I, it's a solid effect, but I don't give a shit about that guy at all. Yeah. Right. He just, he basically shows up to get killed, so who cares? Um, whereas I kind of feel, I don't know why it is that, you know, Daphne's going to get maybe, I just, you know, we're running on the luck of, I know who that actress is, but I genuinely felt bad. I was like, these poor parents, shit. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. Yeah, I'm like, when you get to the end and like people are just thoroughly dismembered, like there's some absolutely fucked up shit when you get to the third act. Yeah. Really messy. Yes. And, and one of the great things about that kill sequence in general, I wasn't trying to like skip ahead, but that, that kill sequence works on so many levels, not just because of the bat kill, but because of the setup too. Daphne Zuniga is getting picked up by, by her parents. I think anybody can relate to that you know even though like yeah she's a college student but uh and most of this stuff happened in my teenage years but i i definitely was like oh hey i gotta work late at the movie theater i need to get picked up at like 3 a.m and then my parents come or my mom comes because you know my dad was smart enough to be like fuck you i'm sleeping (laughs) and you know you you get there and you're like well i'm on somebody else's time shut off the car listen to music like there was so many relatable kind of um moves done in that sequence like where the the father's like taking a deep breath you can tell he's fucking tired and automatically yeah, it slices by, right into your vulnerability, your real exactly. Yeah. Vulnerability. Once you yeah. see that, you already relate to it, and that's I think what makes everything that follows more potent. Even if and I, I Zuniga's I death is the, kind of yeah. I think the other thing that's great about that is that from a narrative perspective, it does a really nice trick, which I really like in horror movies and in any kind of um, tense storytelling, 
where the audience knows something that the rest of the characters do not know. Yeah. Right. Because they don't have to know. Her and her parents can die, and as far as everybody else is concerned, they were leaving anyway. So there's no reason for them to know that what's happened is a motherfucking grisly death. Yeah. But we know. And the tension is built from that idea, that notion. And I love that. The problem with The Dorm That Drip Blood is that the second act doesn't really pay off right. on that. Yeah. I have always felt, um, with every viewing of this, that first act good, third act strong because it just gets absolutely wild. It sags so hard in the second act that that's why it's not really a great film or even a great movie. Like it's it's cool as a as a, as a sleazy little pick. Sure. To watch if you like gore and uh, and you like a little bit of tension, and or if you're going there, through your video nasty list, right? Yeah, if yeah. you're going through it, or if, I, if you know, you're... like I said, I I th- I think it deserves more than it gets, honestly. But the second act is just it's it just it takes a deep the dive. tension kind of dis it the, the tension dissipates. They're not building character stuff the way that I want them to. Mm-hmm. You know, like they try. I just don't think it quite works. I think this is the place where. Both the writing and the the fact that they don't have pro actors. I, I think it's more. <laughs> um, the I think you know, like it's it's a little bit of. I think it's a little bit of everything, yeah. honestly. Sure, um, sure, sure. Because again, once you get to the third act, you can lean on the crutch that is we're just going to start killing everybody. Yeah. And, what I, and boy, they really fucking do. And yeah. and what and to, to, I think to get into it, um, you wanted to sort of talk about the. Ending, ending. Yes. <laughs> and that's the thing that really fucking, that's the, like, if, if I was going to say the reason why I'm more likely to give this like a three, maybe even three and a half. Wow. It's really that it pulls it out in the ending. And I really, I go easy on a movie that gives me an ending that I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you did. And it, and you know, you find out that it's, um, it's this, this guy that we've been talking about throughout, um, what was the actor's name? We kept saying it. Steven oh, Sachs. Uh, Steven Sachs. St- Steven Sachs. Sachs. Steven Sachs. Sorry. So his whole thing uh, is that I, I actually don't even know what drives him. He's just nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but he he wants to be with this woman. This is a real ongoing problem. This poor woman can't get a break. <laughs> Everybody wants her yeah. and everyone's being weird about it. But he's definitely being weirdest of all on account of the fact that he's just doing straight up murders the whole way through. And he is so fucking scary. Like yes. once he like once that that flip switches and he goes from like acting like it's not him to like this gleeful Joker esque like he's just really enjoying doing murders and revealing what he's done. I don't know what the motivation is at this point. I don't care. It just it's really menacing. It's really like it's that fine line between being upsetting and also exciting. Like you're like oh. Should I root for this guy? He's fun. Yeah. Oh wait, no, he's a murderer. I can't do that. <laughs> um, but he's great. And the really cool thing is that the scumbag, but the guy who's not Bobby Joe, you know, Bobby whatever his Bobby name Lee. is, Bobby Lee, yeah. he kind of shows up like he may he might be the hero, and gets psyched out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, that's, and not only does he get that's one of the yeah. things that I love about this film is that it. It knows what it is. It's like, oh, I want to be a mystery, but I'm going to give you all these red herrings, you know. And, and when we meet Bobby Lee, he is like, oh yeah, well, how was that party last night? And and automatically you're like, oh fuck, he knew about the Gotta party, so he he's peeping, you know, like he knows what's going on. 
And let's be honest, his name's Bobby Lee. So are we dealing with a hillbilly <laughs> that's like trying to be say something are. about it? I just like how the film will keep you guessing um, if you just give it that patience to do so. Because I will say like the, the pacing for this film is just kind of it's it's too slow for me. Yeah. But if you stick with it. You you can be rewarded, I swear to you, because the reward. Once is, we is get huge. to the ending, number one, what I love about that twist, because I know we kind of already spoiled it, but what I love about that twist is what precedes that scene right before it, and essentially, uh, you get there's there's uh, the Hemet. I always want to call him hermit because he's kind of a hermit, right? He was like throwing yeah. his trash and shit. Yes, the guy they were talking the the homeless art. Yes, art uncle. Yes. <laughs> his John real name Hammett. is Woody, which is so perfect. Of course, just look at him and you're like that Woody. guy's name is Woody. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a snake in my book. Sorry. But Stephen Sachs, who plays Craig, you have Craig and Joanne. Um, Joanne's like kind of being quote unquote chased by Hammett. And she's got doubts. She's like, oh, this is the fucking killer. He's a weirdo. He just tried getting in. He tried to get me to like open the door. And then Craig comes in and he's like, no, he's got to be the killer. And they both kill him. Technically, Joanne, I think, does most of it. And that's what's fucked up. Because once the twist comes in, you're like, oh, guess what? You killed the wrong dude. You killed the guy that was trying to help you. I knew there. I wish I could remember now from from the first time I watched it. I figured out it was him. Yeah, I I, I had put two and two together yep. and made four. Uh, but you're like, it's the incel. The nice thing about it is it doesn't matter. This is sort of the thing that I appreciate is that it in a way when you know it's him already, it makes it worse. Yeah, because you're like, yeah. oh fuck, because you know what's going to happen. Mm. You could, it's that again. It's the same thing. It 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 par it, it sort of it piggybacks off the. Daphne Zuniga and her parents get killed and we know but they don't yeah it's the same kind of energy where you're like oh no you're gonna kill this guy I totally understand why you're gonna do it but he's not the killer it's not him right it's this guy the guy that's been standing right next to you the whole time and it's so crunchy and creepy and satisfying when he does the reveal and then you see oh my god just like it's just it's Agorapalooza. They do very quickly show the like uh, a Daphne Zuniga head kind of yeah. thing along with the rest of the parents. It's okay. It's you know it's not the greatest of the effects in that piece, but it's sure. fine. It'll do. And he chases her for a while, and it's very tense. And then Bobby Lee shows up, and Bobby Lee is there, and the cops show up, and the cops are completely useless, which is great. Well, because very, Bobby Lee has the life. weapon, right? He's got the weapon in his he hand. He does, and they, so they become very convinced. That he, and, and and so Craig successfully tricks the cops too. Like he's just on a roll, and he and he <laughs> and not only does he trick the cops, but he but he tricks Bobby Lee into acting because Bobby Lee basically there is no right move for him. Like what happens in the scene is either Craig's going to stab him right. or he's going to get shot by the cops. Yeah. Right, and he's trying to figure out a way in the moment to duck both. But he can't really. 
Either way, he's going to die. It's just a question of whether or not he's going to reveal Craig's true, inten- true intentions in the process. And he, he, you know, he rolls a he rolls a one. He, he yeah. critically fails <laughs> and gets killed before yeah. there can be any reveal. But all that said, that's all great. It's still when I say that the ending is great. That's not I mean even the ending. 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 Yeah, yeah. That's not it's even not, the ending. Yeah. Do you, do you, I've gone. I've gone on a word vomit. Treef, do you want to <laughs> kind of just lay well, in well, how let's this see what, movie well, ends? Well, I, I feel like Diggum needs to jump in here because we haven't heard a lot from him. Oh, um, <laughs> I was trying not to jump in because you guys were speaking so eloquently about how much you like it, and I just feel like I should, I should uh, lower my score because <laughs> I didn't, I didn't like it half as much as you did, and I have it rated higher. Like I didn't find the ending very compelling. I didn't find the killer reveal very compelling. Honestly, the drill kill is like the highlight of the movie for me. Like you said, the um, that second act, man. It was 11 a.m. on a Saturday, and I was ready to fall asleep yep it's really yeah. bad like you like like in, and it does pick up at the end but man like that it's like what is i, I don't even know who, who these people are what's going on like like give me a reason give me a reason to like care about this you know but um yeah i don't know i just didn't like it very much like even even <laughs> even a mean ending and i love a mean ending and particularly this this era is I like this era of slasher because, you know, it's the post Friday the 13th pre Nightmare on Elm Street, right? So we're still in that copycat era where it's just mean and nasty and it's mystery based as opposed to, you know, um, getting into, into the more fantastical realm. So I'm always interested in seeing what spin they're coming up with. And this just feels so middle of the road for that era that I just couldn't really love it for, for that era, which I love that era. Like the prowler is in that same era. And that's my favorite slasher that post Friday the 13th pre nightmare, mean, nasty. Let's push the effects as far as we can go era. Um, and it just is so middle of the road. Like it's, it's, it's in the like final exam territory for me. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about the Dorm of the Drip Blood is that it really wears its influences on its sleeve, which I think is what totally. you're saying. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and certainly, yeah, the, the, the two uh, student directors that made it said that, you know, they'd watched Halloween and loved it. Yeah. And they had just seen um, Friday, the 13th. Friday the 13th and were like, yeah. yo, let, let's fucking go. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, it, and, you know, and the thing is that the Dorm of the Drip Blood is, is like – Really, yeah, like pretty much at the beginning of the first gen slasher era, and the initiation is the very end of what I would consider to be like gen one, basically. Yeah, yeah, of slasher, yeah, yeah. right? Like it's that post. That's like that's like the very end. Yeah, 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 completely. And you know, it's um, uh, and I just wanted to point out what you were saying was um, good kills on characters you don't care about don't make a good movie. Is, is that what you're saying? I do think that that can be. Sorry. There's uh, well, there's no there's no, there's no absolutes, but it, it certainly can hamper. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Just just wanted to point that out. It's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. We're not gonna. I'm ignoring what you said about one of the most important films ever made. But no, sure. I I meant the one this year. But it's fine. <laughs> the uh, one this year. Oh, I was like, <laughs> <geez>. <laughs> 2022. <laughs> okay, that's a. 
Uh, yeah, but uh, all right, Treef, the ending, the actual yeah, ending. The actual Let's, ending of the movie. So the actual ending is Joanne uh, gets uh, knocked. Well, she gets knocked out during this scuffle, and Bobby Lee uh, and Craig, you know, the cops are bust in and threaten Bobby Lee, and all that shit goes down. And then Bobby Lee gets shot. Craig is still got Joanne. The cops just kind of fucking bounce yeah. or Black Christmas style her away I guess she's fine yeah, well, they say we're gonna go hard. we're gonna go like do this and he was like just leave me I'll, I'll meet you out yeah, there in a yeah minute. I got her she's fine you know yeah, yeah. and they're like safe. sure nothing to inspect here do do so do 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 Craig fucking drags Joanne into a fucking incinerator while she's unconscious it's crazy it's like what the fuck and then if that's not bad enough that's that's not just how our heroine dies. Here's the last thing you remember. One of the cops is right by the fucking chimney, right by the smoke, <laughs> and says, ooh, what is that awful smell? And then that's the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, you want to end on a really high note? That's how you do it. I mean, yeah. honestly, like... Whether this is a fucking half-star movie, I guarantee you everybody will remember that ending. Yeah, completely. 100%. Yeah. I do love a mean ending. It's Like a mean ending where the killer gets away is always fun. You know, I had a I had a buddy who was uh, who was pretty successful in the early YouTube days, and he always used to tell me that like every YouTube video has uh, has two things that it has to do. It has to have a strong ending and a strong beginning. I don't know why I said that in opposite order. It's a strong beginning <laughs> and a strong ending. If it sags a little bit in the middle, no one's going to give a shit. All they're going to remember is how it started and how it ended. And I think that the dorm the dorm that dripped blood. It's it's way better than what you'd expect out of a student film. The gore is good. I like the setup, and I think that the ending is outstanding. So for me, it's like a it's a three star movie just based on that. I mean, it, it's funny because like like I said, some of those kill sequences and the ending elevated above a lot of slashers around this time because when we get to talk about the initiation i mean it's pretty pedestrian i think there are times it was shot it was shot in texas and it and it feels like a tv show it's very but but it's pretty same level throughout the whole thing whereas this one just like goes to the fucking races with its kill sequences and the ending and look like you were saying if you come off with a with a good ending something that like hits a home run you're going to feel more positive about the whole experience uh, the whole movie that preceded it because like i said i i I think I gave it two. Diggum says I gave it two stars, but I would probably realistically give it two and a half because of that ending. That ending is one to bring it a half or maybe even a star if you're more generous. But it's one of those endings that I think, and not just the punchline of of the ending either. I'm talking about like the whole reveal and everything. I think at that point, it's like, okay, this just got interesting. And to Diggum's point, you know, that that second act is it really drags down the movie. It, it kind of almost comes to a complete stop. And That's he's what it right. Feels like. like you don't necessarily care about the characters. And I don't I don't think you ever really care about the characters at all in a weird way, or at least I didn't. But you can sympathize with their character type or like, oh, I know somebody like that. 
that's how I think the movie's more effective. It's not good acting. It's just because, oh, I know a person like that. Yeah. You know, granted, I, I didn't have weird fucking Art Garfunkel like stalking my Art house Garfunkel, baby. That's the big takeaway for that. <laughs> yeah, Art, I, I have to say, man, Art Garfunkel's finest work. It was really it was interesting. Like, uh, um, Bizarro? When you guys were talking about the like vulnerability of waiting for somebody. Like that was not something that I had even really thought about, to be honest. And then I've done it many times and thinking about it, but it is like a vulnerable position to be in late at night waiting for somebody to pick somebody up. So, so that, that does add add an element. And that's why I think that first kill is so effective too. I, I, I would agree with that. I'm not going to shit all well, over first it. First kill post sequence. Yes, yeah. Also, first kill also, post, we, are, we yeah. are going to kill you next time you're sitting in a car yes. waiting for somebody. Yes, waiting for my <laughs> wife to get off. Work. I don't know if it's going to be Andy or myself, <laughs> yeah. but one of us is going to commit a murder on you. Yeah. And just to kind of echo on that scene and its potency, the one thing that kind of always frustrated me is I love the mom's death, but I hate the way that special effect is ex- executed because it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it. it, it Again, the fact that the the bat scene is so good kind of yeah. wipes away a lot of the yeah. stuff right, that right. doesn't quite land as well. Yeah, I wish, you know, there's something because, like, why is she bleeding from her turtleneck? <laughs> well, I mean, it, like, and it's, also, it's be- like, the necklace because, yeah. is... Yeah. The necklace is, like, above, too high above or too below. It doesn't, yeah, no, it doesn't quite. I can't quite. remember which, but it doesn't, it doesn't match. Muster. So it's like, oh, she's just bleeding from the neck? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, uh, Dormedra Blood, like, you know, I, I gave it a two, but, like I said, I, I could be convinced two and a half. And, actually, the more I talk about that ending, I kind of feel like it's yeah. two and a half. I originally gave it a three. I still give it the I still give it the three. I gave it a two um, and a half. Yeah, I don't know. To me it's 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 a little it's a little engine that could for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 rooting for it because what it's going up against is a much I mean, like I don't want to say entirely well oiled machine because it had its own struggles, the initiation, which I assume we can move on to. But um but certainly the people that were involved in the majority of the production are people that knew what the fuck they were doing and it shows it's a very sleek film and even the stuff that is complex like this film also technically has two directors although it was not supposed to but it also has i mean fucking vera miles in, is in this movie i think she worked a day but clue fucking is in, is in the goddamn movie and clue and clue Gulliger, i mean like everybody's favorite pissed off annoyed 1980s horror dad yeah clue Gulliger. he's the best i love that he's in it i will i mean i'll watch anything that that man is in he's one of my all-time favorite actors um i cheered but, when i saw his name in the credits yeah i mean you, you i you get instantly excited and what's really all right so the 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 thing to know basically like the the setup of this one is uh it's sort of so it's it, it is also a, a, a like a college co-ed thing, but it's as the ritual, like the hazing ritual of getting into the sorority, the head the head sorority lady, yeah, the yeah, the, head, the, the, the head the head thirty year old <laughs> basically is is like, hey Daphne Zuniga, your parents own this mall. You are going to get us in this mall, and we're going to shenanigans. But then there's a problem of some sort. Yeah. 
and that's the then that's the plot of the movie and it also has a a twist and it's the weird, twist is very is very tv movie yeah. and that is the the worst thing i can say about the initiation and as will pertain to the director situation is that it feels like tv for the most part so the gist is that when they started it they you know it was a, it was a low budget picture and they brought in this guy peter crane to come and direct and he was doing real slow work but he was doing stuff that was very like you know he want he he thought he was going to make like Suspiria or something on a shoestring and like that was not going to happen but everything that he shot they kept basically like my understanding is pretty much every single thing that he did shoot is in the movie but then they brought in this guy Larry Stewart tell. who was a who was a, who was a TV director and so they kind of used Larry to fill in the gaps for the rest of the movie, but they would pepper in it in important scenes, important places, the stuff mm-hmm. that the original director had shot. And so anytime it looks really stylistic, that's him. And it does elevate the rest of it, but there are some things where it's just so static. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. And like it's you know, it's 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 it, it's a fine looking film, but like, yeah, man, like I it's 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 a TV movie. Yeah, it, it is a glorified TV movie. And look, here's the thing. I mean, both directors worked in TV, and I don't think here's Larry Stewart is more of like the working man's director. Like, let's get it done. Let's get it on time. Let's get it on budget. Yeah. Right. And that's why they Where, got him too. As, yeah. Right. Exactly. Because I think it was Peter Crane was um, two days in the shooting or and. Or no, it was first day of shooting, and they were already two days behind. Like it was, it was something crazy like that. Yeah, and they they were like, "Well, this is like fucking, you know, day one, day two, whatever it was. Um, maybe it was day three, whatever." At the beginning of the fucking production, and he's already days behind. You can't have that happen. And what sucks about it, it kind of works. uh, Kudos to the editor of this because I think it kind of works that crane shots are more uh, creative. They have dreamy looking lenses. There's different camera work done. And he shot, coincidentally, shot the POV stuff. Yeah. And he shoots like the one shot when uh, Zuniga wakes up. Uh, Zuniga's character wakes up. I think he did some, the stuff um, at the hospital and, too, which has much more of a, a trippy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, I think when as a viewer, once you know that, I I think even if you don't know that, but y- you can tell who shot what. It and the. The best way I can say it, I guess, is those shots that you can tell that stick out that seem very creative are because I think that that director had some sort of emotional tie into this movie. And it the biggest frustration about this movie is that I want to see what Peter Crane could have gave us as the yeah. full length movie. I Larry wish Stewart if they, had, if they okay. had the time and the money. <laughs> Yeah, that Larry, would have been Larry Stewart does a fine job, I guess. Yeah. He's it's fine. not like, a very strong slasher movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Vera, Vera but I, Miles uh, only acted on it for two days, but obviously having fucking Vera Miles from Psycho, you know, 
elevates. Sure. It, yeah. it changes totally. the game. Elevates like she's it. she has like there's a scene where she does something and we'll get to it, but like she's not even saying anything. It's just her like on camera, like ha- given a look. Yeah. And uh, if you yeah. have a truly great actor, what they can do with a look is something that like a yeah. person giving a like a ten hour soliloquy couldn't do. I saw this movie when it was on VHS, and it's funny because like I must have completely forgot about it. I thought it was more of a college slasher film, and a lot of it, a good chunk of it, actually happens in a fucking mall. It's like this is kind of like yeah. shopping mall. Yeah. yeah and it's got a little bit it's, of it's, um, it's what's it's what you think chopping mall is going to be yeah it's a solid little horror horror movie in a mall yeah it's actually. all right i mean like i certainly think that that's some of the strongest stuff although i will say um i think as an inversion to the uh, the the dormitory of blood i like the characters in the initiation i feel like it, that might actually be the strongest thing about it is that you've got uh daphne zuniga's like friend and the the dorky jokey guy that's constantly like flirting with her and like are they going to get together yes or no they're kind of annoyed by each other but maybe they got a vibe and so you're yeah you're kind of you're you're rooting for those two um and i would say you know best character of the whole fucking movie heidi who is the assistant to the doctor, the, to, the, to, yes. the, to the TA or whatever he is, <laughs> yes. who are yeah. trying to figure out why. So, like, basically, the thing to know is that, what's uh, um, Stephanie Zuniga's character's name? Kelly. Kelly Fairchild is having nightmares. Having nightmares from when she was a kid. She's had them her whole life. And it's, you know, she sees her parents having sex. That is a nightmare. Um, nobody wants that. And if you do want that, then go to therapy. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. and then there's a guy and he shows up and he's angry and he gets set on fire and something goes wrong. And she like stabs somebody in the dream as a kid. And like, there's all this weird stuff that's, that's occurring. And then she wakes up and she's been having this dream for a really long time, I guess is the, is the gist. And the, the question is why is she having this dream? Why is it kicking back up now? Um, what does it pertain to the particular goings on of the film, like the why now of it all, if you will? And uh, it's I, it's weird because the thing is that like it's good. It's just that a lot of the times it feels a little like when I say it feels like television, it's not just that it's the look. It also is the arithmetic of television. It's very by the numbers, and the way it resolves itself, its twist is a very TV twist. Like, I don't know that I actually called it. I don't think I did. But when it happened, I was like, oh, of course, this is made by TV people. Of course it ends this way. Yeah, I definitely didn't. I, I, I think I put it in our Discord chat, and I was like, this just got weird. <laughs> like, like, out of nowhere, but like, really strange. Weird. The thing is, I just, I don't know. The word is pedestrian for me. This movie is very pedestrian to me. It's strange in a, like, mom way. Like it's 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 weird. It's weird in a way that 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 your mother would be like, I did not see that coming. Like, oh, okay. you know, like, I thought, like, like I, see, I I misunderstood like, that. That's yeah. like uh, I thought you what you were saying is, I was gonna say um, what was the thing that I was like, oh, this is like when that time when um, my mom got mad at me because she told me to take out the garbage and I like made a gesture at her and she was like, don't you make the jerk off sign at me. You think I don't know what that is? Your father jerks off all the time. 
um, a thing that absolutely did that that happened. My mother will deny it to this day, but it did. That's what I thought you meant. But I guess both. You know are the term dad. The term dad rock. This is a mom twist. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, guys. This is a fucking lifetime slasher film. It is. Yeah, 100%. basically. Yeah. yeah but yeah, but there's yeah. also some so, there's also some bush. And I don't mean yeah, I don't yeah. mean the band. There is. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's it's a lifetime slasher movie that Roger Corman with, did some sort of theatrical release on. There yeah, you go. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Nailed it. Nailed basically, it, yeah, yeah. it, it kind of comes out of nowhere too. You're like, oh. It does. There, there it, it does. is. It's like, All right. oh, we're that kind of movie it now. Really, okay. it, it feels like they just like they were like, man, something's missing. You know what? It's it's a it's a it's a there's no Merkin in this. I was you honestly you, you want to say though. Go ahead. You want to say jumping all over the place or like just out of nowhere? <laughs> this is uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that I started laughing during this scene and you're gonna go, you monster. But it was so out of the out of the blue that I was like, what the fuck? When the girl is like talking about her violin teacher when they're in the mall. Oh, yeah. I just was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on with this movie? Like, this is so bizarre. Like, why was the why? Like, it was so weird where she talks about um, there's a there's, there's a character in the film that is she's very uh, her character is right. like virginal everybody kind of makes fun of her for it and then she she reveals that she was like sexually assaulted by her violin teacher when she was i think she says 13 and that's and that's why she's the way she is i guess but it just was so but it comes out of fucking left field it's just yeah they're like drinking at the mall and it's like within the last 20 minutes of the movie too like it's not even like it's like a, a second act reveal that then gets like expounded upon later it just is like within the last 20 minutes she reveals that and it's like whoa what is what like this is a strange thing to just say out of nowhere like yeah it just got real fucking serious real quick yeah it's a very it's yeah, a very it, it's, it's a weird it's a scene whiplash. that has nothing to do with the rest of the movie really other than the fact that it's, like she's it's virginal total and whiplash. like here's why but it doesn't yeah it's just it doesn't really fit with the rest like there's a way Maybe they could have made that work, but it's just not this movie. Yeah. In the same way that, yeah, like like seeing like random Bush, you're like, what? This movie didn't seem like a Bushy yeah. film up until the moment that it showed up on screen. It's not a Bush it movie. Just, it's, it, it doesn't. <laughs> totally. I, yeah, I, well, <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> Look, I think the reason why the tone shift so much and why like the gore sequences or the kill sequences aren't as extravagant as gore is good in this, by the way, we should fine. say that there's some good gore. But is in here. it? I mean, here, here's what I'll say after seeing dorm with drip, drip blood, not as good as no. dorm with drip blood. And like some of the scenes like uh clue Gallagher's or Gulliger's um, death scene feels kind of lame. It almost feels like, Oh, okay. This, somebody watched some Savini films. Cool. They, there's it. a great, there's a thing that I noticed. I want to, I want to know if you caught this. So there's a scene that a lot of people talk about as as liking as a being a good death scene. Oh, okay. Um, so they established a a sort of mental hospital space, and they establish a bitchy nurse trope character, and you're like, well, she's gonna die. There's no way that's not gonna happen. And somehow, like all the the they all get out, all the crazies, and like swarm the car. 
and give her a kill. And people really, apparently people like this scene, but let me tell you all I can think of whenever I see it is that at the very end of that scene, they pull away from the car and you can see the entire film crew and the reflection of the window. (laughs) I mean, like, it's, I was like, there's like 20, I was like, wow, there were a lot of people working on this movie and they're all in that reflection. The reason why the tone shifts so much is because, let's face it, the, the producers of this film wanted to make a buck. This is one of those slashers that unfortunately, even though like, I don't think anything that's contained in the movie or part of the movie is bad. I I actually think it's pretty well written for the most part. What I will say though, is that it feels so formulaic at times that it just feels like it's a cash in right? It feels like it's trying to profit off of other slashers. So I think this is like, like Lena was saying earlier, the end of like, you know, wave one of the slashers. Yeah. I think this is kind of the death rattle of it. And, and, you know, I mean, this is 1984. This was actually what also I thought was funny, um, was that whole relationship with, um, the, uh, the, the graduate assistant, yeah. right? He's with with the the TA, Peter. Yeah, I I just want to make sure it was graduate yeah. assistant. I couldn't remember if he, no, was, he was actually he was like a teacher TA. or an assistant. But the whole dream stuff that they kind of dive into that stuff is very interesting and also even more interesting because this came out in April 1984 and Nightmare on Elm Street comes out in November later that year. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, okay. And then you also have this burn sequence, which um, I forget where I heard it. It might have been in the uh, commentary from the Hysteria Continues guys, um, where they talk about the fire stunt that happens at the beginning um, during the dream sequence, right? Uh, But at the beginning, we see this dream sequence that Daphne Zeniga's character alludes to and talks about later but this burn sequence apparently was used as a instructional burn video for stunt people wow it was kind of fascinating yeah. and like we don't really get to see apparently burn for like two and a half minutes or something like that you don't really get to see that here and i think that's mm-hmm. at fault of you know that that's another problem with the original director, I think, Peter Crane. I don't know if he really knew how to shoot. shoot well, that. sure. I mean, like if he if he was filming a yeah, if he's filming somebody getting set on fire, the amount of time if you're going to do it right, right, it takes to do it's that. It's a very difficult. Is thing. a lot. Like it's it's a huge, it's a huge pain in the ass. I've watched multiple films where you know there's a there's an actual person that gets on set on fire, and if you watch the commentary, they'll they'll talk yeah. for a year because it's it's one of those things where you work so hard on it that you're like, I need you to understand this thing takes about five seconds on screen. Yeah. It took us like a week yeah. to do this. You know, it's really stressful. It's a really hard thing to do. There's a reason people don't do it. Anymore. I will always admire fire stunts when they're shot in a stylistic fashion, because not only do you have that technicality and all the safety measures that you have to follow, but in, you know, you're dealing with a very uncontrollable source fire, right? How do you film that stylistically if you can't predict what it's going to do? 
So anytime I see any stylistic burn sequences, I'm like, fuck yeah. That's probably why I like don't go in the house a lot because there's a lot of that in there. But the fact that it starts off with that, I'm like, okay, is this like the fucking burning? Because that's what I start to feel like it evokes that feeling. Maybe, maybe they were trying to copy off the burning and the emotional sequence of Cropsey getting burned. I don't know. But that's what it feels like at times throughout the whole film is that it feels like, oh, I've seen this before in this slasher film. And like I said, I I feel even though I love the poster art of this movie, I think Daphne Zuniga does a really good job, especially given the twist and the reveal. And Vera Miles is in it. Clue Gilliger is in it. And that she's and that she's doing weird dream stuff. Yeah. Weird dream stuff I is always a dicey proposition. Slasher, but there's just so many fucking death rattles throughout this whole thing. It's like, okay, this is a slasher genre that, you know, this era I liked, but now we're getting old. Yeah, it's it's strange. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because we've yeah, I mean, I think we think we're gonna end up saying kind of the same thing as far as this one factor is concerned, but. Yeah, like it's the end of the Gen 1 slasher and you can see it incorporating all the tropes. It's ticking all the boxes and it's doing it very pur- purposefully and it's doing it in a way that you're like, yep, yeah, you you ticked it right. But it's, I don't know, It there's a, there's a kind of numbness, a kind of distance that I feel when someone's just ticking boxes. And, you know, I mean, like you said, cash grab, like not like every movie isn't a cash grab, but like. You know, but yeah, I mean, like, in particular, it doesn't feel as, with the exception of some of the dream sequences, it doesn't feel as artful as some of my favorite slasher movies. Because, like, my the ones that I really love are weird. Take big, weird swings that you're like, there's no other movie did this one, did it this way, and now a lot of other movies will. Um, and I just feel like the initiation is very derivative. Like, it's campy. And, like, there's, you know, like, people getting shot with bow and arrows and shit. Like, that's a hoot. Hell, yeah. You know, like, a girl, like, pull, like pull, pull, pulling her pulling her top down and then putting on some roller skates and going in a first skate in the mall. It's You're the like, all right. It feels so formulaic at this point. And it's not a filmic film. It's, it's It feels like a TV shot for fucking, a film t- shot for TV. And... It's all in the framing that Larry Stewart does. It's like wide shot, close up, master, wide mm-hmm. shot, close up, master. There's not a lot of variation. Oh, there's an overhead looking over the security desk in the mall. That's it. That's pretty much all the shots. It's like usually pretty dead on too. There's not a lot of framing or composition done. It's just like shoot, shoot, shoot. Let's get this yeah. product out. I would say about 90% of this movie if you switched it to a 4-3, like if you just did like a pan and scan, you'd yeah. be losing nothing. Yeah. Like not yeah. even pan and scan, just right, cut just out cut the, the, sides. the left and right extreme sides. If you just went 4-3, you, you would really lose almost nothing at all. It's very by numbers. Yeah, I like the I like the character. I think the characters are pretty good. I think the acting on the whole is good, but I wouldn't call it a a good film as a whole. It's it's less than the sum of its parts, which I think is the thing that we said last time too. For for which film? Oh, for um, for the initiation. I think. Well, I think we said for, what last um, the last episode. I feel like I I think I said that for one of them. I, although I can't fucking remember for the life. Probably of me. Uh, dead and buried. That's it. Dead and buried was also less than the sum of its parts. But what I was the uh, 
the technical aspects of the of the of the filmmaking are very uh, by the numbers on this. That's the, that's probably the kindest way to put it. Yeah, I mean, like it's it, it was interesting because you know listening to the commentary track, um, the uh, the guys the hysteria continues guys who are also podcasters who talk about schlocky movies, fucking love this movie. I do too, and I was confused. to be honest with you. I like this much more. Oh, you love I like this, this much more than Dorm the Drip Blood, like considerably more. I just found the story to be a little more compelling for me as far as like being interested in what was going on. I I, I wasn't feeling myself fall asleep while I was watching this, you know, like it, it just was there was there was enough of a mystery here that I was interested in what the conclusion was going to be. Even though it felt like cuz I guess we can get into it, but it's like they're insinuating for such a long time that it's the dad, right? That it's her actual dad who was burned. Correct. Yep. And, but there's just that whole time I'm watching it. I'm like, that's obviously not it. Right. Like they're not just going to show that. So like, what is the big, what's the ending to this? Who's, who's the actual killer? It's her twin, it's her twin sister. And, and then for it to be such a big swing of a twist that was so Yes. Bizarre. Cause it's like, it's, it's, it's like moronic. That is so stupid. Like that is such a dumb twist that you would literally never think that's definitely what it's going to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but the thing is that as, but as soon as it happened, man, I'm telling you the very second that I saw it, I was like, of course, of course of it course is. Of course it's an evil yeah. twin because this is a TV movie. What else would it be? It's not, but it's filmed like one. It's written like one. So when it reveals itself to be evil twin time, it's, I don't know. Like, I want to love I this. I adore that right? twist. Because I adore that twist. I I want to, and I don't. And the reason why is because the only reason it makes sense to me is because I know that it was made by TV people. Yeah. And because it comes so far out of left field and I can't like they do a couple of things where they show Daphne's like they show a duality of her in like a mirror they show like two of her in a mirror when she's a kid they show it again when she's an adult but that's the only real visual cue there's no real true explanation otherwise and so it it kind of bugs me not like I'm not like mad at it but it doesn't like it. Like I did, it didn't happen, and I was like, Ooh, which is I, I want to make that terrible, terrible noise. Yeah, I I didn't every time do I that. Watch a movie. But it was like like I said, I was I I'm sitting there, I'm like, it's obviously not the dad. No, because that would be so boring. And then when 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 it gets revealed, like oh, there's a second Daphne, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is so stupid, and it's the best thing that's ever happened. Like like this is so dumb. There's like, a there's a second Daphne on the grassy knoll. Yeah, I just fell in love where it's oh that's so stupid and great. Like, I I just adore that. I enjoy much- her acting off of herself. Oh that's, yeah, because like, she's she's trying to play crazy and is is fine. It's a hoot. It. <laughs> it's a hoot. Um and yeah, I mean like for my money, uh, Vera Miles shooting her own evil daughter is great yeah. she does that perfect because the thing is it works on both levels she's so tense with it she's staring off in the middle distance right after it happens and you're like she's acting her fucking ass off and it's also stupid as hell 
So it's genuine, and it's also genuinely moronic. So like either way, you win. Like that part's great. And then and then she says, "I'm Todd." And then uh, Vera Miles kills herself. <laughs> yeah, I just I I just I ended up giving this three and a half. I enjoyed this a lot more than I did. Turn the drip blood. Even even with its TV aesthetic, and like I said, technically, technically, as far as the like technical quality that goes into this, it's very just like like we've been saying. It's 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 American cheese, you know. It's cra- it's craft singles. The like I, the like technical quality I of it. Do not deny that the initiation as a movie, as a narrative, flows better. It unquestionably yeah. does. However. For me, I look at the dorm that drip blood and I go, they really tried. They really like, they fired with every <laughs> cylinder they had and there were two or three. And that, and, and those ones fired every time. By God, they really, they really tried it. So I guess, I, I don't know, like to me, there's more heart in the dorm that drip blood. It, what, what mm. was happening with the people who were making it. And I feel it. I feel it even in the, the the draggy, saggy middle act. And so as a result, I just like, I it's it's one of those things where it's like, Initiation's the better movie. Dorm the Drip Blood is the one I prefer. That's really how it lands. No, I, I kind of feel the same way. It's like um, the Initiation goes on a track, you know, like how do I get track point A to point B, follow this track. Initiation does that to a T, whereas Dorm the Drip Blood kind of goes in and out and with its story. And, you know, I mean, Dorm the Drip Blood does have the gore. It does have that fucking gut punch of an ending. Whereas Initiation, there's not really a lot of highlights. There's nothing that, like, stands out other than, you know, that crazy fucking scene that Diggum talked about, which tonally feels off so what success is there in this movie and i don't really think there is one it's a very pedestrian middle aisle fucking slasher i'm gonna tell you all right so you said on rails and it has given me what i feel is the the way that i would explain these i'm gonna explain these movies through through a video game analogy are you ready uh the dorm that drip blood is like the first Resident Evil game, and the initiation okay. is like House okay. of the Dead. I'm Resident Evil. I okay. Initiations. I don't know how that like, works. Like, so here's House of the Dead is I would say is better than the original, like not re-released, just the original Resident Evil because it's just more exciting. It's more and we playable. are talking about like, the video games, not the movies. It's fun, like it's you know. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. The video. I very specifically yeah, yeah, said yeah. video games. Um, yeah. And and House of the Dead, like 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 a lot of it's a rail shooter. It's completely on rails. And Resident Evil is bizarro, weird. Doesn't really add up. The plots are strange. The characters are what. Yeah. The voice acting is bizarro. But it's a fucking Resident Evil game, and like it's got a lot of heart. They're just really putting it out there, and they're making something okay. very fucking strange. So that's it. That's my analogy. That's my video game what analogy. I, what, what I was gonna say was was the initiation is like a craft single. It's it's just very it's it's edible and you kind of enjoy it and you're like you know what that was fine, and then 
Dorm that drip blood is like a nice Colby Jack with a little bit of mold you have to cut off first. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to chop it off. You got to eat it. You got to eat the mold. <laughs> yeah, like, if you yeah, want this yeah. thing, you got to eat the mold too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's how I'd put it. I mean, wouldn't that wouldn't that yeah. be the peaks? Like, yeah. like, oh man, am I gonna die because I ate mold? I don't know. Just you, you know, it's 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 a little more. It has its more interesting bits, but you get some mold. You do. You you, you undoubtedly get some mold. All right, so we're gonna say. Um, so two of us preferred film, just the film, during the drip blood. One of us preferred initiation. That's where we're landing. Yes, correct. But would we say that both of them are still worth watching, though? Yeah. I, I mean, the initiation is so pedestrian, but it's also effective as a slasher. Whereas Dorm the Drip Blood has cool kill scenes and a fucking killer ending. But other than that, like, I'm with Diggum. It sags in the fucking middle, and it really brings it down. So, as a film, the initiation is probably what would win for me. Oh. But I will say that the Dorm Drip Blood is kind of more interesting for anybody who hasn't seen it that loves slasher films. Yeah, Dorm Drip Blood, yeah, when you get to the the second act, you can go grab a cold one. Yeah. <laughs> Time to you do know, shots. Catch up with your catch up with your your spouse. Yeah, yeah. Play with your nunchucks, which you <laughs> undoubtedly own. Um, I don't know. All right, so that's where we land on the film. Let's let's start digging into the the, the rest of the the juice because this yeah. is a boutique Blu-ray thing. Yeah, this is about so, Blu-ray. It's um, not about movies. It's just about the, this the, the is, disc. So, so some of the stuff is a little bit more cut and dry, I think. So the transfer. I think is a is easy peasy lemon squeezy. That's got to be the initiation. Not even, yeah, not absolutely. even close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, and look, it's it's what we kind of talked about last week, uh, Lena, when you talked about what scan is it, right? Dorm that drip blood is a thirty five millimeter answer print, which is pretty much the worst thing you can get. If the inner positive from last week for dead and buried, that's like a step above thirty five millimeter answer print. Okay, so this is probably the worst source possible in in film, right? Yeah. What? Well, also, wait a minute. This is not even thirty. This is sixteen millimeter, isn't it? During the drip blood, I'm. It is sixteen millimeter. It says no, 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 no. Oh, gotcha. So it's a shot on sixteen millimeter. Oh. Blew it up on thirty five, which this is a thirty five millimeter answer print of something that was shot in 16 millimeter. So when you do that 16 millimeter, the 35 millimeter blow up, it's going to look grainy as fuck. Which it does. And also it is really harmed by the fact that so much of this is shot nighttime, dark sequences. It's not well lit at all. Like it's, I don't, I don't even know. Like if you could actually get like original negative, you could you could make a better looking version of this, but like it's still shot mostly at night. So I feel like it, no matter what, you're gonna. I think you're gonna still run into some grain issues though, um, and I think that I think that no matter what, there's gonna be some spotchiness and inconsistencies in the blacks. I think that that's just an unfortunate. You can look at blue reality because Maniac these are for that. Maniac's yeah, a I film just, that was shot in sixteen. I think that just for me, because you know, I mean, this is the one way in which I would say it was shot by students, and I think there's a limitation. Um, and they were also like, um, they were shooting on the these sort of French cameras, cameras, these eclairs, 
which could be kind of noisy. And I think, you know, I don't know how familiar they were with shooting with those those puppies. So I think just in general, there's kind of like a limitation considering it could have looked a lot worse. But the initiation right. is this nice little 2K scan and it looks pretty. Yeah. It looks as good as the initiation is going to look. And it looks yeah. great. It looks exactly as good as it needs to look. What I will say is, uh, it was funny because I set up a TV in my office and I had blue light glasses. I'm trying those out for a week. So this was totally coincidental. But I look up and uh, I had the Dorm with Drip Blood playing, just kind of testing it out because I had the Blu-ray on the desk. And I'm like, man, these whites seem a little too, like, this looks good. And then I took them off. I'm like, oh, fuck. Those whites are a little too blue for me. And I I don't know how else to really show it, but if you have blue light glasses, watch this movie with it because it will look, quite honestly, I'm not a colorist, but it looks more uh, accurate than what it does without those blue light glasses. Because there's this bluish tint to it, which was a big problem with some of the Code Red early shit. So it makes me wonder. It really does. It, it could be an equipment issue. So if somebody were to get the 16 millimeter, or quite honestly, even though I'm, you'll hear me talk about Synapse or Synapse. Um, <laughs> I've been a customer Schnapps. of them for a while. Yeah. I. You know, I thought they usually do do good work. I We can look at, like, Tenebrae <laughs> or any of those Argento films or Suspiria. Suspiria looks amazing. It does, but yeah. But this... Yeah, Ma- this Massacre... Is, is, yeah, even lesser releases, Massacre Central High looks great. Yeah, this is not really what I would say, oh, this is reflective of their best work, right? This yeah. doesn't look that great. I'm actually, I have a plan on the TV right now and I'm just looking up at it and I'm like, yeah, it's bluish, it's grainy as fuck. But if another company got the 16 millimeter negative or even uh, scanned the 35 answer print, I bet you they can make this look better. I think Probably. this is kind of due, even though it, it is only 11 years old, I, I, I think it's kind of due for another release. That's dated. I mean, listen, 11 is a long, that's a long time. I mean, we're talking yeah. the difference between the beginning and the end of the format Blu-ray, you know, like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's I mean, a Blu-ray DVD combo pack. But yeah, it's, I just think it's, it's really indicative of that. I think that we had talked about before the podcast started is that, um, Blu-ray.com gave this a pretty decent review on the video. It gave it like a three yeah. out of five stars. And I was like, you sure did that because this was v- much earlier on, not just in Blu-ray as a format, but also I think kind of early on as far as like people being really into boutique Blu-rays as a, as a thing, as a collectible, yeah. as a, as an, as an obsession, as a, as you right. know, like as a big film nerd. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would love for it to get another shot. I think that like there's, there's maybe even some more cool stuff. My question is, I wonder why they used the source that they did. There is a possibility that perhaps not all of the film materials for the uncensored director's oh, cut yeah. are still available in that original thing. Yeah. For all we know, none of it's available as the original negative. We don't know what film materials are out there. I mean, look, ideal perfect world, if they had all of it, I would I love to see this movie get like a another Blu-ray release or even a 4K release. I mean, you're not going to get 
a ton out of 4K on a on a 16 millimeter, but I don't yeah. know. They're putting out Texas Chainsaw Massacre at 4K again. <laughs> yeah. So fuck it. Yeah. Um, but Initiation, I never need another release because it looks exactly as good it as look, it's it looks, ever going to look. Yeah, it looks good. It's a two, it's a, they could have done a 4K. I don't think it needs to be done. It was a 2K yeah. of the, the original scan, yeah. negative. Yeah. And original negatives, then that's that's the magic phrase. So yeah, it's fine. Um, I even I even think you know, given today's tech, if they just even scan the same source for the for for that, you could probably get a lot dorm. more out of it. Yeah, for yeah. Uh, dorm, that, like 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 yeah, even just just using a newer two K scanner. Yeah, I, I mean I that five years so of difference of does something too, right? Like yeah. that was like. Yeah, twenty eleven versus even twenty sixteen as far as just the the Blu ray releases, even yeah. that. Right. That amount of time to understand how to how to transfer discs better, you know, how to how to do film transfers in general on the format yeah. better. Anyway, um, all right. How about what are we up to? Packaging? Yeah. Let's talk about these movies packages. Wink. <laughs> this one's dick is kind of frothy. <laughs> I think it should go to a doctor. I'm concerned well, so there's a smell. Well, so it's funny because we have reversible covers on For both of these. Yes. So the Dorm Drip Blood, we previously said it was uh, it was wildly marketed as pranks. That was the advertisement. And actually, I, I want to say either 42nd Street Forever Blu-ray edition mm. has that trailer on there. But it was distributed by New Line. That's kind of an also interesting part and one that, like, I don't mean the reference of Nightmare on Elm Street, um, like, with the initiation that I did, but it kind of applies here. I mean, this is right before they really hit pay dirt. This was back when they were a distribution yeah. company um, with, I think, like, probably Texas Chainsaw being the biggest thing for them as a distribution yeah. company. And then night, uh, night, night of the Living Dead, Evil Dead. When Evil which, Dead which came out, I was reading uh, this actually double featured at drive-ins with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, which is hilarious. Yeah, isn't that wild? <laughs> there's there's some Weird. interesting crossover with both of these films, but yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I remember this movie as pranks because I saw it on that trailer reel, and then uh, once I learned, oh, it's called. Dorm that drip blood. I'll pick this up, and then Synapse was nice enough back in 2011 to send me a copy. Yeah, which again I'll link in the show notes, and you, I'm kind of interested to reread it. <laughs> I just saw the score, and I'm like, oh fuck, I gave it more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I you know, it's a blue case, reversible artwork. So if you want the pranks title, you can flip it around and do that. And what I do like about Synapse is they put the UPC on both of them. Uh, mm. I know some people might be pissed off about that, but uh, I I like it, um, especially since I got a review copy that has a hole punch. So anyway, <laughs> but it does kind of fuck up the pranks artwork a little bit. Yes, yeah. Oh no! no, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, I but do I, like I, when the reversible I art think has, a different has cover. better art. I think the initiation yeah. has better art, in my opinion. So, I would agree with so you. So yeah, it, I think so too. But here's the only problem that I think maybe this is the start of the Justin Osborne artwork mm. that seems yes. to grace a lot of Vero video shit. Yeah. And I like Justin Osborne, but he's also a guy that like I think some people forget got 
accused of plagiarizing, and he definitely did. But also, like, his composition becomes so formulaic in itself. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of an accurate representation. But I think this was really at the beginning of his career. Yeah. Um, now, like, he's doing almost every other, like, Arrow release. Yeah. He's doing a design for. And then Edge he does the a lot of stuff for favorites Rags, he did. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah but I, I mean, yeah, I like it, and I like the original, the original initiation, the one yeah. with the with the girl with the who's candle. supposed to be a candle, but she looks more like she's it's a, a dick that that just came. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think it's a cool. I like the artwork on that. Actually, um, I'm going to way better than I would than either. You know, it's it, it's a squeaker. I'm giving it to the initiation. Yeah. For this, but it's not like neither of them has like great. Gotta really talk about it for a long time. Packaging. Yeah, yeah, I'm inclined yeah. to agree. Um, I do I like when the reversible covers have a different title. That is a point for me. Like I love when you yeah, can flip it and it's a, and it's like a different title. That's fun, especially if there's a slip, but there's no slip, so it doesn't really matter all that much. But right. yeah, initiation just kind of blows ma- it out of the water. It makes me wish that they had done um, a death dorm. Slip. Yeah, yeah. Like someday, vinegar syndrome is going to get a hold of this, yeah. and there's going <laughs> and to do be it right. Like they're gonna do like here's how it's gonna be. Um, they're gonna have the, they're gonna have the 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 flip version. So the 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 one will say the dorm the drip blood, and the other one will say pranks. And then there's going to be a death slip, dorms. and the slip and the slip will say um, yeah death dorm. And then on top of that, it's gonna have the double slip that hardbound yeah. thing, and that one's gonna say third night. Yes. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when they've done that. It will be one of the greatest garbage movie yes. releases of all. This will time. truly be an inferior release. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Vinegar Syndrome. Hey As guys, you're listening. You don't like Synapse anyway. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So extras, extra, extra. Read all about it. Uh, talk about. Um, we forgot uh, to mention about the booklet for initiation, though. Oh, I didn't. I, I don't did have not a get booklet. one because yeah, my oh. my version did not come with a bookie. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow, mine doesn't have a booklet. Fucking fancy ass. Well, then that definitely wow. wins if it gets a booklet. Fuck. Yeah, it talks about the restoration and. Oh man, oh, nothing in mine. I didn't get shit. It's like twenty pages. Weird. Okay, man, well. boner. Uh, all right, so extras. I'm gonna say my first reaction is. It's a question of quantity over quality for me. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah because I'll say this. So Initiation's got a ton of stuff on it, and none of it's bad. Like, I'm not like, oh, yeah. the stuff on there is garbage. Right. But what is on the Synapse release of Dorm the Drip Blood, the two interviews are for um, uh, Matt Mungle, uh, talking about the uh, all like the, the makeup effects and everything, and then Chris Young talking about the music and talking about how like he can't he still can't listen to it because it's the first one that he ever did. But then kind of talking about you know his music career and stuff like that, and and Which I was really interested thing, in that. Did we even talk about his music? No, it we was didn't. good. We didn't talk about yeah. it that much. I loved it. I thought the music was actually a real standout part of Dorm the yeah. Trip Blood. I mean, it feels like it's 
paying a tribute a little bit to Psycho at times with the high strings. Absolutely. But, but it's still uniquely its sound. It's not like a, a total ripoff like the reanimator theme. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. I was really, I think that like, it's funny that he's like, oh, I can't bear to listen to it. I'm like, you should. It's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's the still first a good thing you score. ever did. Especially it's very your first good. Score, yeah. Yeah. It elevates the film for sure. I think it actually is one of the the, the stronger elements of the film is that music. Uh, so I think that the fact that those are the two people that they did do full interviews is great. Like that's really like super standout. I love that. That's like I don't know if it was that's all they could get or if those are the people they set out to get and got them. But that's great. And then as far as the commentary is concerned, you're getting the co-directors, and so it's mostly them giving the the play-by-play the blow-by-blow of like how they made it where they were living at the time like how they cast things finding out like really like in real time as they're like oh in this scene we shot this and this is the kind of film that we used and this is who we got here and do you remember this happened so like it's a very technical what's actually happened behind the scenes to make each of the scenes and make the movie happen, make it all kind of go. You're sort of seeing, you know, you're opening up the hood and seeing all the engine and everything and all the parts work. And I feel like that is a complete opposite of the commentary track that you get on initiation because the initiation is um, the hysteria continues, which is a podcast and like, it's a good podcast, but they're giving you like, and you'll recognize this actor who worked on this stuff and like yeah. they're looking at the big picture of mm-hmm. like yeah. where these other things are, what this film was influenced by and what it went on to influence, right? Like they're taking a broader view. It's to me it's these are the two kinds of commentaries that you're gonna get, right? There's yeah. basically like I mean I guess there's a third kind, which is just it sucks. The bad kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, Which, like, these are the two good kinds of, of commentaries you can get. Either someone who's telling you exactly how the how the, the sausage got made yeah. or somebody that just knows film really well and it's going to provide you the larger context. Yeah. I but Initiation has tons and too. tons of interviews. There's a <laughs> lot of interviews on this thing. Yeah, there's a lot of interviews on the disc, which is, which is nice, including with the best character. Who's the best character? Heidi. Is it... Is it yep. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> she is it's funny that we barely talked about her but she's great and like she I think was like like a bank teller on Dallas and that's it as far as like <laughs> her TV and film is concerned and like yeah. man so under, like she like she showed up and I was like that's the that's the kind of person you marry like she's exactly <laughs> like you know I mean like She's got that same like she's like the Janine Melnitz from Ghostbusters of that movie. Yeah, you know I mean? exactly. Like, yeah, that's, that's a, the, the, my that's favorite kind of character. That's yeah. that's who I really connect to in films like this. And she's just wonderful. So it's nice to see her kind of get a, a moment to shine. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the interviews are plentiful. I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like I got every part of the Buffalo. <laughs> on the on the um on the during the trip blood i can't I I, for me to, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to pick i have to lay a big critique against the dorm the trip blood in terms of features here i'm ready okay zero none zilch no subtitles on this disc <laughs> oh and that for me that is uh... is a big big deal no subtitles <laughs> on this 
That's fair. That's a really fair point. There's also one other thing that I, as far as, I, they, so they have two trailers on there. I don't believe either of them is the trailer that they used to make the movie. And I think like <laughs> what's really interesting, because I, I forget that this is not just a modern convention of film, but like in order to get money raised, they made a trailer yeah. right, for a movie they hadn't made yet. Which is a thing that people do now all the time when yeah. they're trying to like kickstart a movie. Like that's super common. Like that's a very modern movie convention for indie film. But I wish that that whatever it was that they shot to get the movie ultimately made. And I don't think like there's two trailers, but I they never say that either one of them is that trailer. So yeah. I don't think either one of them is. And I wish it was there. But the subtitles thing is a really good point. It's 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 it may not seem like a big deal to like a lot of people but no, it's, it's like, huge it's a huge deal because i'm i'm not deaf or but i am hard of hearing so i i you know it's crucial for me to have those subtitles to like understand everything and it's you know it's um it sucks when they're when they're not on there for sure yeah it's funny because like i typically don't watch movies with the subtitles um but i've noticed you know a lot of people do that now yeah. That's something I I honestly probably would have never thought about back in 2011. Mm-hmm. That just recently became a thing because people, I think some of these DVD and Blu-ray companies, these boutique labels and especially, realize like, yeah, we need to spend extra money and get this transcribed essentially, yeah, so we can put the subs on there because people will watch these movies late at night and turn the subs on. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's great for the hearing impaired, but it also serves this other purpose. And, you know, I'm not that guy. I, I watch movies with the volume on. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't. And especially, you know, like unless the only time I used that feature, I think back in the day, was probably just to see what somebody said if I missed it. That was yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And then I turn it off. I was that guy. And I, I kind of still am, to be honest. Yeah. I use it for reviewing purposes. Like if I'm going to sit down, like if I'm professionally reviewing a thing, um, I will sometimes turn on subtitles if I'm not sure. I'm, I think I know it just got said there I like I'll usually go back and turn it back on and if I turn on subtitles once they're on they'll stay on but I mm-hmm. think that regardless um, there are plenty of movie fans that are hard of hearing so yeah. like the fact that that there's no subtitles is a huge dang like it's it's just enormous I mean to your point Tree, I think there I think there are other reasons why it is that it should be there regardless but like you know we're also in for all the ways in which the modern world can suck ass, it's kind of nice that we're actually acknowledging that people have disabilities yeah, and totally. that we should be acknowledging those and making sure that people are able to enjoy entertainment in this shit stain of a world as a fucking break and a treat, <laughs> no matter what situation they're in. We should all be able to watch the dorm that drip blood as a yeah. treat. And as if you real, can't yeah. because you're hard of hearing, then that, that sucks. Yeah. So... I think that's a really fair What's point. What's funny yeah. is it's playing on the TV that I just set up in my office. And you can't hear. And I, I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to unmute because I'm recording a podcast. I would love to, like, read these lines right now. Yeah. yeah. Funny. As, as, funny as, how after, 
after years of doing live music and stuff, I'm like partially deaf in my right ear. So a lot of times I have the option of either it's ungodly loud and I can actually hear it or I can have it at a normal volume with the subtitles on. I'm like, okay, I get the inflection. I get, I get the, the emotion behind it, you know, and it's, it's, it's just a big deal. You know, it's, 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 we joke about it a lot, but like really like it, it is, it is a crucial thing for me. Yeah, totally fair. I have pretty bad tinnitus. Yeah. Like I'm able yeah. to hear things for the most part, but my wife often will be like, can you stop shouting? <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know. um, I should get a hearing test done. Maybe maybe yeah. that's what we could advocate on this episode. Get get there you hearing go. No, tests no, done. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry, Tree. If I think you're just I think you're just obnoxious. I think your hearing's fine. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. One hundred percent true. You just been podcasting too long. <laughs> and now and now there's a way about you. You've got that <laughs> podcast energy. Yeah. Anyway, uh was there anything about these films that you learned? Because I feel like we talked about a lot of these aspects of the films that I learned through the extras um was there anything else about the films that you were like oh I loved getting this off of a commentary or a special speech I liked the interview with uh the writer of the initiation he was uh he's pretty entertaining Charles Pratt um he was just kind of like this dude that just loved writing and he said when he went to film school that um you know everybody wanted to be a director which is of course all a vanity thing and he's like well there's a lot of directors i'll I'll be a writer and struck a nerve with the teacher because he was a writer so and quite honestly like initiation as pedestrian as it is is still pretty well written i think yeah for a slasher film for sure um it's almost a little step above a slasher film um as far as the uh stereotypes of it but I really enjoyed his conversation with the camera on, on just talking about the initiation, how well, how happy he was with it. He seemed very positive of it. So it was a, it was a good watch. Yeah. All right. Do you want to, um, do we have any, I'm assuming we have not reached the comments from the listeners yet. No. No. Okay. Still no comments. I, no. I never know. Um, all right. Do this we is where want we solicit to... them then. Oh no! First, before we the last thing we do is is solicit. Yeah, um, sure. The very exciting thing is we've made it to the end of this episode, and before we we <laughs> tell you ways that you can follow us or give us money or whatever you want to do, it's Diggum's turn. Yeah. To reveal what the next episode is going to be. Dig, take it away. Um. Okay. So. I wanted to do, I've been kind of diving into like the shot on video world. So I wanted to change things up a little bit. We've had these nice movies. We've had some RC black and white. We've got a 4k. We've got some slasher. I wanted to go shot on video. Um, and so I wanted to do two Reese, two more recent ones. So I went with, uh, a movie that Andy knows a lot about. So hopefully you can give us some more insight on it. Uh, Savage Harvest from Saturn's <laughs> Court. <laughs> Which, which 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 was made where? Uh oh, it was filmed in St. Louis. Oh, well, near okay. St. Louis, Missouri, where I live. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. Um, in and and around. I, I watched it recently. And I really enjoyed it. Would love to talk about it. And then uh, for the second film, I picked the sort of the shot on video pioneer, 
uh, from Agfa boarding house. Yeah. Uh, oh my the, god! The what VHS a to thirty-five millimeter blow up, baby. Yes, this is the one. Uh, I think this is the first one. Yeah, this some is, of the all-time greatest slipcover art. Yes, <laughs> ever yeah, this devised. Is, this is the first movie that was filmed on VHS and blown up the thirty-five to get a theatrical release. Yeah, the first, yeah, and and it's. It's a movie, and I'm ready to talk about it when we talk oh, about it. <laughs> I'm very, I'm deeply jazzed. I'm really glad that you picked um, some shot on video stuff in Boarding House. You know what's a funny? Great, great so, classic, and Savage Harvest is destined to become a, a classic, I think, in years to come. Yeah. If anybody in St. Louis is listening to this show, I will say that one of the things that I want to try to do for this 12-hour marathon is show all the facets of horror and cult. And I would love to show an SOV movie. I think yeah. that would be fun as fuck. Hell yeah. But. Yeah. SOV yeah. Devil. Hell yeah. Saturn's Can't Core wait. Agfa. Two of my favorites. I'll, ad- I'll adjust my tracking. <laughs> there you go. Oh, very quickly. Uh, Christopher Young, the guy who did the the music on Drum the Drip Blood, because I, I'm from New Jersey originally and I have to talk oh, about God. New Jersey in every podcast that I do. Of he course. is from Red Bank. He is yeah. from Red Bank, as, oh, Red as, Bank. Is, hey. as as is everybody's favorite nerdy director made good from New Jersey, Kevin Smith. <laughs> oh, I thought he is also saying, a Red Bank guy. I thought you say um, Walt Walt Flanagan was from Red Bank, New Jersey. Walt Flanagan's dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, the soundtrack for Walt Flanagan's dog produced by Christopher Young. Yeah. Anyway, all yeah. right, let's <laughs> let's wrap this up in a fucking bow. <laughs> all right well you can find me on twitter and wait Instagram. who are you i'm treefy t-r-i-e-f-y find me there. nice uh my name is lena morgan you can find me at uh alina is you on twitter and it's the same thing on letterboxd and uh you can also find me i don't know like petting my cat and and in in Queens in Astoria Queens, if you're just like hunt out. I'll be the only person with a cat in Astoria. You don't know, that, hang out. That is me. something I don't think any of us have talked about in these first two episodes, especially the getting to know you part, where we're from. Oh yeah, oh, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm from Jersey originally. I live in I live in Astoria Queens now, and you're St. Louis, Treef. Yeah. Just in case you didn't know. Yeah, I think I've made that obvious. I love, <laughs> I love how you, you told, want to tell people where you're located? I love how you told Shreefy where he's from. Um, yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> um, I'm from uh, California, Sacramento. Cool. The best coast, See? as they call so it. So we got um, West Coast, Midwest, and East. Uh, that's what I love about this podcast. The three genders. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, got him. That's my fucking joke. <laughs> yeah, I stole it. Um, you can find me everywhere. Digum thirteen. Digum on um, Letterboxd. My band just put out a new EP last week. People yeah. are telling me it's very good you know, on review sites, so I'll believe them. I guess. Uh, they'll get up on Spotify. Lightweight. There you go. And again, if you forgot, that's what opens and closes this episode. Oh, it does. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of your songs. Yeah. Anyway, you can find us as a collective on Twitter at DTB Horror, on Instagram at Destroy the Brain, and uh, come visit us at DestroyTheBrain.com. If you're in St. Louis, Late Night Greenhouse has passed, so now I can say April we are doing the Panos Cosmatos double feature of Beyond the Black Rainbow 
and Mandy, I'm still a little miffed that y'all wanted to start it at 8 p.m. Because I think watching Mandy, you know, anytime before midnight's weird. But oh, grow up. Uh, <laughs> grow up. <laughs> you're in your 40s. You're supposed to go to yeah, bed no, by 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's going to be awesome to see those movies back to back and in the theater like you fucking should. So um, that is April 15th and 16th. Admission is 15 bucks. Starts at 8 p.m. And then, uh, oh, shit, April 21st, Horror Trivia Night at the Heavy Anchor. Uh, tickets, uh, you can register now. It's $10 per team. So if you got three people on a team, I only need one person to be team captain. And then uh, you pay up the $10 fee and we'll get you uh, in the door. It's going to be a fun one. It's There's video rounds, audio rounds, all sorts of bullshit. So come on out, and uh, you can sign up on that at HorrorTriviaNight.com. And yeah, 12-hour marathon is happening Saturday, May 14th. Diggum, are you Ooh. coming out? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Diggum and I will not be there, and if that's not we'll a, see. Well, not I'm, a huge I'm, incentive to go. I'm considering it. So okay. All right. All right. All right. We'll see. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks with Savage Harvest and fucking Boarding House. Thanks Boom. again. Bye. <laughs>